Well, my name is Troy Cunningham. I'm the executive director for Adult and Teen Challenge, the Willamette Valley campus, and recently, about four months ago, the Eugene Women's Campus with Children. And uh, it's a, a great privilege to be able to come and share. And I just want to, outside of my notes, I want to share something. So, you know, every weekend we send a team out, and I have a, a team of men, and, and we go out and we share our ministry and what we do and what our ministry is about. Every weekend we send a different team and there's a couple of us that lead that team and we go to a lot of different churches and I'm not going to single one church out over another but I will say this, when you walk into a church you can tell when it's spirit filled. You can tell when there's people that genuinely are with the right intentions and their hearts in the right places. Uh, just to be blessed to be able to be prayed over as people are walking in, don't even know us. Just uh, the gathering that we have here this morning is it's a great honor to be able to share this ministry. It's not our ministry, it's God's ministry. Uh, there's a lot of familiar faces I see even in this room. Um, I'd like to acknowledge just a couple before I get started. Um, Matt and Cindy, uh, they know who they are. Um, Ted and Jeannie, uh, the Mill Scals. I see Gracie over there. Hi, Gracie. She's famous now. I, I called, called her out. Um, we're just excited to be here this morning and just to share. And so thank you for allowing us to come. Our hope today is that you have a better understanding of who Teen Challenge is. Or if you've never heard of Teen Challenge, that when you walk away from here, you understand who we are and how you can partner with us and we can partner with you to, to ultimately continue to put hope within reach. But also, our heart is that we're an answer to prayer for someone that is either struggling with addiction or they themselves are affected by someone that struggles with addiction. If I asked everyone in this room if they know someone or they've been affected, almost every hand, if not every hand in this room would go up. And so... As you hear this morning the testimonies and just the reality and the truth of, of their life and where they've been and what our ministry is about, I have two scriptures that I want you guys to, to ponder and to, to, to meditate on and just to be mindful as you're listening today. And that's John 16:33. It says, I have said these things to you, that in me you may have peace. In the world you will have tribulations, but take heart. I have overcome the world. And then Proverbs 3, verse 5 and 6. It says, Trust in the Lord with all of your heart, and do not lean on your own understanding. In all of your ways acknowledge him, and he will make straight paths for you. That's a statement, a bold statement, that we hold dearly to these men and the women that come into our programs, that we want to create an environment where they can they can truly surrender and they can trust and have faith that the Lord is going to meet them where they're at. And so today you're going to hear some stories of where life was and where life is today. And, and ultimately our hope is that you see the glory that the Lord has entrusted us with this ministry and what it's doing and how we can come alongside you and, and ultimately help many of those that are struggling. I'd like to pray and we'll get started with our service. Lord, we just thank you for today. And Lord... I pray that everything that we share today, it glorifies you and your ministry, that through our words that we speak the truth, that each and every person that's in this room today is touched in some way, whether it's partnering, whether it's volunteering or coming alongside, or, or they themselves, with themselves or someone they know, is ultimately able to be helped. We know that uh, your ministry, Lord, is simply a place to save lives, put hope within reach. 
And we know that every, every person in this world knows someone that struggles. And so, Lord, today we just want to glorify you and honor you in the ministry that you've created and that you continue to expand and how these people can be touched by your ministry. We love you, Lord, and we thank you. In your name, amen. We're going to go ahead and watch a video now. In 1958, David Wilkerson traveled to New York City to preach the gospel to teenage gangs. He quickly recognized that drug and alcohol addiction was consuming the lives of the youth. Adult and Teen Challenge was founded to address the growing addiction epidemic. And today the need is greater than ever, and everything we do always comes back to our primary mission, to make disciples. We want to put hope within reach of every addict. In 1983, Mike Hodges opened the first campus in Oregon, and now the Adult and Teen Challenge Pacific Northwest Family of Ministries has expanded to five states throughout the region. For the last four decades, we have been growing and refining our approach to the discipleship process. We recognize that people need more than just sobriety. They need every area of their life to be transformed by the gospel. So we offer a comprehensive approach to recovery. At the core of our ministry is our residential recovery program. When students walk through our doors, they meet Jesus. And when they meet Jesus, the transformation process begins. Within the structure of a campus and in the community of peers and our staff, they develop spiritual disciplines. They learn how to pray, how to study scripture, how to worship, and how to be lifelong disciples of Christ. And as their faith grows, they find freedom. It's a sanctuary. It's a place to check out from this craziness of this world and not have all the pressures of responsibilities, but just one thing in mind, establishing a relationship with the Lord. Addiction creates complex behavioral health challenges, so we have integrated Life Renewal to provide state-approved counseling by our own professionally trained addiction counselors. Our students participate in individual and group therapy, and our counselors equip them with the tools they need to heal from their past and apply biblical principles to their lifelong recovery. We are offering students evidence-based treatment with a Christian worldview. This will allow them to live their lives um, in a more successful and positive way while also helping them to stand strong in their identity. We were designed to work, created to be productive. So our vocational training program helps our students establish the skills needed to be productive members of our society. Our thrift stores, work crews, and other vocational experiences teach important life skills, teamwork, leadership, stewardship, and integrity. We help students discover the joy of an honest day's work. And rather than sitting on the sidelines during their recovery, they build confidence as they put their new skills into practice. I see students really adapt very well in the stores. They're enjoying the environment they're in. They're, they're productive. They, you see uh, there's a reward in work that you've never seen before with students. The works that our students do sets them up to thrive once they leave our program. Discipleship is not just about learning the gospel, but also living it out. David Wilkerson founded this ministry on outreach. So Hope Outreach gives our students the opportunity to discover the joy of serving, to give back to their community, and to deliver hope beyond our campus walls. We work with local partners to bring compassion to our communities. Our students share their stories to bring prevention and awareness to local schools. We establish community discipleship groups for those in recovery, and we share the hope we have found in Christ through evangelism. 
At Adult and Teen Challenge, our comprehensive approach to recovery is allowing us to broaden our reach and improve outcomes for our students. Our comprehensive approach helps us put hope within reach of every addict and make lifelong disciples. Hope has a name, and his name is Jesus. But that's a really cool thing to see someone being um, given that opportunity to experience hope for the first time and everything about them begins to change. I just have an undeniable passion for God. I, he has brought me through so much and it honestly could only come from him. Probably the best decision I've ever made coming to the program. The program really molded me into a man of God. Like when I came in the program, I was a kid, I was 18 years old. Um, and it was in the program that I learned how to become a man as a student. Teen Challenge has uh, helped save my life. So as it said, that we're more than a recovery program, we're a discipleship program. Our goal and our hearts are not just to identify the behavior, but to completely transform the heart and rebuild the, the foundation from the ground up centered around Christian principles. It's not to be defined by their past and who they were before, but as a new creation today. And we know that, uh, as, as you heard this morning, there's a missional mindset that we're, we're to receive it and to give it away, as we heard this morning. And that's our, that's our hearts as well, is that we want to build these men and women in these programs to understand who Christ is in their life and to be able to walk out in boldness and share their faith, whether it's through their words or just their actions and the light pours through them. And so today we're going to share with you guys a, a skit that we've been working on. It's called Reality and Truth. Come on up here, guys. Hello, church. Good morning. Uh, we love you. Reality is, during my addiction, I was okay with sleeping in a cold tent full of water. Reality is, is I'm okay inflicting pain on others, making them feel the way I do. Lost, lonely, broken, destroyed, hopeless. Reality is, is I'm willing to go to any length of pulling the trigger just so it doesn't happen to me. Reality is, is I'm broken, and I'll fake it till I make it. I'll pay, play you like a puppet, and I'll use you to fulfill my needs and desires. Reality is, is you're not safe sleeping behind a locked door at night knowing what I'm capable of. How do I know that's reality? Because that was my reality. Reality is not being able to play outside like the other children because your family's in witness protection due to your aunt's involvement with a serial killer. Reality is being desensitized to violence, committing your first violent felony, and being jumped into a gang by the age of 11. The reality is being so tormented by your trauma that you invited death more times than you can remember just at the prospect of gaining some peace. The reality is having 15 and a half years of spiritual recovery, but falling due to a seed planted among the thorns and never truly knowing your higher power. How do I know that was reality? Because that was my reality. The reality is, is having to drink a half a gallon of vodka just to get the courage to go outside because I'm too paranoid for my meth use. The reality is the shame and guilt controlling my every thought and action to the point where I couldn't even function unless I was drunk or high. The reality is, is my addiction prevented me from processing my trauma, which ultimately sent me to prison, only to compound and complicate the trauma even more. The reality is, is my dad died in my arms from a drug overdose. The reality is, 
is I sold him the drugs. How do I know this reality? Because that was my reality. But the truth is, is my past is not my future. The truth is, is I'm forgiven, I'm loved unconditionally by the creator of the universe. The truth is, I have power of authority over the enemy. He no longer has any strongholds over my life. The truth is, is I'm no longer in the dark, I'm in the light, because he abides in me and I abide in him. He is the way to my salvation. The truth is, is God is good and he has given me another chance at life. Not my life no more, but his life. My name is, I'm saved and my name is in the book of Lamb because of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. In the book of truth, 2 Corinthians 5.17, it says, I'm a new creation in the Christ. The old is gone and the new has come. And that's the truth. But the truth is that my aunt's tragedy is what led her to Christ, allowed her to gain freedom from her fear and healing from her trauma. The reality is, I mean, the truth is, excuse me, that that same healing power resides inside my heart today and allows me to speak these truths to you right now. The truth is that God uses all things for good, and he's called us to remember the sacrifice that he made on the cross that we may have eternal life. And the truth is that God has called me to sow the seed of eternity and to help, with the, help prepare the body of Christ for the great harvest. In the book of truth, in Luke 8.11, it says that the seed is the word of God. And in Luke 8, 15, that the seed sown on good soil stands for those with a good and noble heart who hear the word, retain it, and by persevering produce crop. And that's the truth. But the truth is, is I am forgiven. Jesus has redeemed me at a price and it has been paid in full. The truth is, is I'm no longer a slave to drugs, alcohol, shame, or fear. The truth is, is everything I went through has an eternal purpose that led me right back to Jesus Christ. The truth is, is I have been reborn into a royal priesthood. I'm now a citizen of a holy nation. The book of truth says in Matthew 19:26, Jesus looked at his disciples and said, with men this is impossible, but with God all things are possible, and that's the truth. morning church so I'll take the power out of it this is only my third time doing my testimony but here we go hello everyone my name is Colin the person you see standing before you today is only able to be here by the grace mercy and patience of Jesus Christ but the power the true power in that statement is what I'm here to tell you about and if it weren't for this opportunity that power would be lost I learned some years back of, the, of Christ's power and the power of the Holy Spirit, but because I knew nothing about God, I never truly accepted him as my Lord and Savior. But after a while, the drugs I was addicted to were no longer working to mask my pain. And for some reason, since I met God, I felt this urgency, this nagging pull to change my ways. In Philippians 4.13, it says that I can do all things through him who strengthens me. Well, I believe that we all have to come to a place in our lives where we truly accept our powerlessness over our painful situation before we have the clarity to see that it is that exact strength that we were lacking. And every time that I tried to rely on my own understanding, my own strength, and my own willpower of the battle that I was facing, 
ultimately, the end result was the same. Albert Einstein said that the definition of insanity is doing the same things over and over again, expecting a different result. At one point in my life, I had 15 and a half years of recovery, but yet after my relapse, I would try so hard to change the outcome, but with all of my logic, intellect, and everything, I couldn't bring that change into fruition. I couldn't manifest it into the world of the flesh. No matter how desperate my heart was for change, I just couldn't do it alone. Five and a half years ago, God planted the seed of the Holy Spirit inside me. I wish, that could, I, wish I could say that that's where things stopped hurting so much, but that's not how my story goes. You see, I had been agnostic, borderline atheist my entire life, and now there I was, faced with the existence of Christ and stripped from my ability to deny the truth about it any longer. Every question I had about the way God thinks about all these current issues that we are facing in these tumultuous times, I somehow knew the answers to. By the way, the jury is still out on whether or not the earth is flat. Ha ha. What I have learned since I started my discipleship at ATC is that the Holy Spirit lives inside of me and it ministers directly to my heart. Every single day I get the opportunity to use the gifts that God has given me so that I could stand before you today free from the bondage of self, contracted by my Father God, facilitated by the sacrifice of his Son, Jesus Christ, to walk with grace and convicted by the Holy Spirit to change the hearts of as many people as I am able. It says in Ephesians 4:11 through 12, It was he who gave the gifts to men. He appointed some to be apostles, others to be prophets, others to be evangelists, and others to be pastors and teachers. He did this to prepare all of God's people for the work of Christian service. He did this to build up the body of Christ. He gave us these gifts so that we have the, the ability to see his fingerprint in everything around us and in the world inside, or inside of us. Because he knows every single hair on our heads and every one of us by name. He knows that some of us are more stubborn like me. And nothing less than real, tangible, scientific evidence will do if he expects me to invest myself into something wholeheartedly and then to speak about it with the same passion that I had when I was trying to pray my way out of a foxhole. The Hebrew translation of the word Israelites is men who wrestle or struggle with God. I struggled for a long time to accept him into my heart with complete abandon. I still wrestle with letting him lead me in every area of my life. I give him my will and I take it back multiple times a day. He walked with me my entire life, but only in hindsight do I notice it. Holding my hand when I needed it, being my shield when I was in danger, or carrying me when I was too broken to stand on my own. He has been patiently waiting for me as I was being painfully purified in the fires of my adversity and in the crucible of life. He gave me my grace and mercy when I mocked his holy name. Just like that song. But even when I didn't deserve his grace, he humbled himself in the flesh and became obedient to death on a cross and cried out to his father to save my life and the lives of each and every one of us. So the question now becomes, what do we do with it? Thank you. Wow, powerful. It's amazing the reality that we've lived in our bondage and our sinful nature, especially when we're not seeking the Lord and walking with Him. But the powerful testimony of what God can do in your life. You know, I remember the day that Colin walked in the doors of Teen Challenge. And we, we as humans, even as work in ministry, we, we tend to want to judge first impression. And you know, we have to be careful and mindful that we don't set it in our minds that 
uh, quickly disregard somebody that we think that might not be successful because the Lord showed up and radically changed his life and is continuing to work in his life. And it's, it's an amazing opportunity to be a part of that. The next thing that we want to share with you is an opportunity, and it's, a, <clears throat> it's really a lifeline to our ministry. Um, we're not here to sell you guys on anything other than Jesus uh, and opportunities for partnership. However, our ministry does cost money, and it costs us about $3,500 per student per month to house them and to meet all their needs and to be equipped for all the, the things that we need to, to do for them. And so through various vocations, thrift store shoppers, anybody? Yeah, there's a bunch of you. Um, through events and, and different ways uh, to be involved to help support us. But one of the most tangible ways is our student sponsorship program. And it's a, it's a way that um, allows for no barriers in our program. Um, there's a cost involved, but if somebody comes in and wants help, we want to be able to make sure that there's no reason that they can't come into our program. And the student sponsorship is what makes that happen. Um, the opportunities that it presents itself to be able to partner and, and to come alongside these men and the women of these programs and just walk with them through their journey uh, is life-changing. We've watched many, many men uh, and women um, truly feel loved uh, in their lives by having somebody come alongside. And so we're going to watch a video that explains a little more about the student sponsorship. My name is Stephanie, and I'm from Brownsville. Hi, my name is Adam. My name is Jason. My name is Joseph. Faustino. Amanda. I was addicted to heroin and meth. Drug of choice was opiates in general. Bulimia. And then I masked that with severe alcohol. Meth and heroin. Addiction was like walking through hell the darkest time in my life. It's very hard and it's lonely. Chaos everywhere, depression all the time, and anger 24-7. My whole family had abandoned me because of all of the pain and suffering I'd caused. And I really had no drive or no hope or just no purpose of living. I viewed myself as um, a junkie. I saw myself as worthless. I saw myself as, um, I deserve to live under that bridge. The Adult and Teen Challenge program for me was, was a place of peace, a place where I could finally find out who I was, who I was intended to be, and who honestly God created me to be. The program was easy for me to be in, but it required change, and that was the hard part for me. It was difficult, but it was worth it. No pun intended, it's challenging. It's definitely a beautiful uh, process, but it's in no terms easy. The hardest year ever, but the best. I found who I was without, without drugs, without alcohol, without an eating disorder. I learned that I'm chosen, that I'm accepted, that I'm loved. God is a God of forgiveness, of mercy, of grace. I found freedom from the chains that I'd worn my entire life. And I learned that my past does not define me. My identity now and forever is I'm a child of God. I look to his word and the truth and not to the lies of the enemy. Honestly, it's all because of Jesus. Before, I was a dirtbag. The trust that people have for me now, um, nobody trusted me before I came in this program, and now I'm responsible for a, a campus, um, men's lives. God has entrusted me with a lot, and. Um, 12 years ago, that would not have been the case. Sponsorship was an anchor in this wild program. 
The sponsorship program is, is designed to help people get through the program that can't financially afford it. It helps students know that there is someone out there who cares about them and is praying for them. It was humbling, but it was also, I didn't understand why. I didn't understand why somebody who didn't know me would want to pray for me. It was amazing because I had burnt a lot of bridges in my past, and I didn't think anybody cared enough to pray for me or want me to do better. And having a sponsor, I saw that there are people that cared. I've seen guys who were on the brink of the edge, about to leave, and they received a letter from their sponsors which gave him hope to stay another day. To any of those sponsors out there that are listening that may have sponsored me, I wanna say thank you. I would like to say thank you to all of my sponsors. They, they all made a difference. There was days when, when I wanted to give up and I wanted to quit, and I know it sounds cliche, but they sent that letter and they listened to God's voice and told me exactly what I needed to hear in that moment that kept me, kept me going, kept me focused on the bigger picture and staying. They help, um give that hope to somebody that doesn't have hope. You make it possible for people like me. Thank you to all of our current sponsors. You guys keep this program up and operational, so we can't thank you enough. If you're considering on sponsoring a student, it can help change a life. Help save a life. Help change a life. Put hope within reach. First, hello? First Corinthians 13, 13. Three things will last forever, faith, hope, and love. The greatest of these is love, and that's what the sponsorship program is about. It's about love. It's about loving uh, the next brother, the next sister um, that Jesus calls us to do. And um, I'm a sponsored student, and uh, I go to work at the thrift stores, and I come home, and my sponsor will have a letter sent to me, and uh, that's the Jesus in my life that I need to come out of this brokenness. Um, the sponsorship program, it's a uh, simple form that you fill out. It's uh, $45 a month. You get a photo of one of the students on your fridge, and you get to check the progress and the growth of the student um, as they progress through the program. Um, you also have the opportunity to write to them. You have the opportunity to pray for them and um, also you can come to their graduation. Um, so it's, it's a lot of support um, to pour into somebody, and uh, it's a commitment. Um, but if you cannot commit today uh, to sponsor a student, um, we can at least uh, pray for each other. And uh, that's where my testimony starts, is by prayer. Um, my prayers have been answered, and that's how um, I'm standing here today. So how is it that we can think about something and it happens? How is it that something happens and we pray about it, it's immediately answered? How many people have prayed, Oh God, please! That was me right before my life began an adult teen challenge. I was at something in which we call a miracle. Hi, I'm Jared. And I'm here today to tell you that God has answered my prayers. I've spent 15 years of my life in the bondage of sin by sticking a needle in my arm. I was an addict, but now thanks to the book of truth, 2 Corinthians 5.17, I'm a new creation in Christ. While serving six months in county jail for a drug court violation, which they call a revoke, it's when the DA gives you another chance uh, to get your life right. In my case, I chose to be the rule breaker. I simply had a contract with the courts to follow, and I didn't do that, which upon breaking the contract, I served six months of county jail. 
This scripture comes to mind. Hebrews 4.12 For the word of God is alive and powerful. It is sharper than the sharpest two-edged sword, cutting between soul and spirit, between joint and marrow. It exposes our innermost thoughts and desires. So the great mustard seed that was planted when I was a child was finally watered. I began to pray and read the Bible daily in jail. Jesus began his good works in me, but upon being released from jail with 36 months of prison over my head, I went and got high again. Months later, I found, with, found myself with a gal I've been dating during the last four years who had a leg amputation due to diabetes. Again, I looked up to God and I got down on my knees and I cried my heart out. I need in the most earnest prayer. I needed change. I needed hope. I needed love. And most of all, I needed God again. Nothing was changing, but the hurt became deeper like an endless pit. Meanwhile, I missed several probation appointments and figured it was time to turn myself in. That contract I was supposed to follow, I'm already, I was already breaking. As my friend and I approached the PO's office, she was coming with me to say goodbye. I was pushing her in the wheelchair up the ramp, and I almost stepped on a Dalton Teen Challenge business card. I picked the card up and quickly looked up on the website online, and the first three words I remember seeing was faith-based program, apply today. So I turned the wheelchair around, wiped my tears knowing that this was God. I called the 877 number and I got Jasmine. And Jasmine says she has an opening for me in Shed. And that I had an application to fill out. And she could send it to me via email. So Jasmine sent the application via email. And I went to Staples to print the application out. Jesus says, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their crosses and follow me. Here's how God continues to test my faith. Now you see, I only had a $5 bill in my pocket. And Nancy and I were out of cigarettes. Now normally we'd run out of gas, and we'd use a little money on cigarettes and not the gas. But again, I faithfully trusted in the God, and I printed the app out for it cost me the whole $5. You see, I had to jump through the hoops. God opened the door, but I had to walk through If I'm willing to do whatever it takes for God's work, I will do what I have to do because God has me exactly where he wants me when he wants me there. Saying I have to be like Joshua who had to get his feet wet to cross the Jordan. I have to put it all into him knowing that I'm going to be okay in the end. I remember the evening I showed up three hours late to a Dalton Teen Challenge. Meeting Monty who was waiting for me. It was the hardest thing I had to do. Leaving Jared at the door leaving my girlfriend at the door, all my filth, all my bad habits, all my ways. 34 years of my life, I've lived a lie of gang violence, adultery, promiscuity, hate, drug abuse, home invasions, the making of drugs, and destroying communities. I was a monster in the mirror, but to God, I'm his child. September 30th, 2020, I gave it all to the Lord. I left it all at the cross. I've never been so low, so broken. I felt broken, lost, and hopeless. And when I came through the doors at Dalton Teen Challenge and I laid in bed, I finally knew I was home. Here I feel love, I feel hope, and I see the light. Since being at Dalton Teen Challenge, the impossible has happened in spite of my lifestyle and careless living. The results from my blood test come back normal. That's only possible because of God. Psalms 34 8 says, Taste and see that the Lord is good. Since I've been walking with the Lord, I have restoration in my relationships with my dad, my brothers, and my children, my mother, whom we haven't had a relationship since 2005. Since I've given Jared's life up, 
I now have brothers and interns and a family. Since I've walked out on faith, my probation officer has called me and informed me that I'm off probation. You see, God is very good and He has a very good plan. I no longer am lonely or broken. I'm joyous and I'm hungry for the Lord. How could I have lived any other life? How could I have not put God first? How could I be selfish for so long? Ephesians 4.20-4.24 through it says, You did not come to know Christ that way. Surely you heard of Him and taught in Him in accordance to truth. That is in Jesus. You were taught with regard to your former way of life to put off your old self, which is being corrupted by its evil desires, and to be made new in the attitudes of your minds, to put on the new self, created to be like God, true righteousness and holiness. I want to leave you with this. If you do not know God, or if you're considering our Lord Jesus Christ, for God chose you before the creation of the world, choose Him. He honors you with His promise and His presence. Honor Him. He restores you through the power of the Holy Spirit. Let Him. Hi, I'm Jared. And if I look back and I saw Him, I wouldn't recognize Him. But the truth is, is I'm here to share my story of what God has done, did, and is doing. If He can change my life for the better, think what He can do to yours. Thank you. Good morning, church. I just felt compelled to say, I love you, church. <laughs> that's awesome. You know who loves you more than I do is the bridegroom, Jesus Christ. That's right. And he says that he's coming back for his church. And wow, what a beautiful bride that he has in this church here. I mean, just th thank you for having us here at your church. So, I had the hardest time writing my testimony. Um, I couldn't understand why it was so hard for me to share God's testimony. I mean, I was so grateful for what the Lord is doing in my life and my brother's lives. Surely I can write it down on paper and speak a story of truth about the old man and who I used to be and who I am now in Christ. Sure, I could do that and sum it up less than five minutes, time allowing, no problem. But I couldn't do it. I froze up and I tried everything, free riding, asking advice, following an outline and using bullet points, the whole nine yards. I couldn't do it. Something that was so important to me, I just couldn't do it. I finally realized that I hadn't quite accepted God's forgiveness yet. I came across the scripture in Hebrews 10, 16, 17 that says, This is the covenant that I will make with them after those days, says the Lord. I will put my laws into their hearts and in their minds I will write them. Then he adds their sins and their lawless deeds I will remember no more. Then again in Hebrews 10, 22, Let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who promised is faithful. So before I started to write my testimony, I got down on my knees and cried out for forgiveness while my brother was strumming and singing the song, Reckless Love of God. The lyrics go like this. Before I spoke a word, you were singing over me. You have been so, so good to me. Before I took a breath, you breathed your life into me. You have been so, so kind to me. Oh, the overwhelming, never-ending, reckless love of God. Oh, he chases me down. He fights till I'm found. He leaves the 99. I couldn't earn it. And I don't deserve it, but still you give yourself away. Oh, the overwhelming, never-ending, reckless love of God. When I was your foe, still your love fought for me. When I felt no worth, you paid it all for me. There's no shadow you won't light up, no mountain you won't climb up coming after me. There's no wall you won't kick down, no lie you won't tear down coming after me. 
Hello, my name is Ryan. At age 16, my dad gave me my first line of methamphetamine. He died in my arms at the age of 49 from a drug overdose from a bag of crystal meth that I had sold him. He was my best friend, my coworker, my father, and my hero. I remember crying out to God, God, please, please know God. And as I gave my father CPR in vain, I saw him pass from life to death. Paralyzed with fear and helplessness, I swallowed the moment of that pain, never letting it go. It grew like a cancer inside of me, and I couldn't deal with life, the guilt, the shame, and the anger. I didn't want to deal with the grief, so I stayed numb and masked the pain with severe alcohol and meth. I was a psychotic emotional time bomb. I felt like a flash grenade had exploded, and disoriented, I couldn't snap out of it. At the time, I was a single dad. My mom and my sister slowly took over the parental role of my amazing daughter. I isolated and pushed my family away. And I was listening to the lies of the enemy telling me that everyone was better off without me. Left alone into my own devices in a dark world that was so inviting, alluring, and accepting to a broken mess like myself, I found myself playing a lead role as a puppet in Satan's play titled The Separation with No Way Out. I asked God, why? Why did this happen to me? Fourteen years later in the book Isaiah, I found the answer. For my thoughts are not your thoughts, nor are my ways your ways, says the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. For as the rain comes down on the snow from heaven, but it does not return there, but it waters the earth so that it may bring forth and bud, so that it may bring seed to the sower and bread to the eater, so shall my word be that comes from my mouth. It shall not return to me void, but it shall accomplish what I please, and it shall prosper in the thing for which I sent it. I felt like the Lord had to take away everything in my life that separated me from him. Everything that we go through has a purpose. Romans 8.28 says that we know that all things work together for good to those who love God, to those who are called according to his purpose. Since I have been in the program, I have wholeheartedly rededicated my life to Jesus Christ. I no longer live to please man, but to serve my king. Matthew 6.33 says, Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all of these things shall be added unto you. While I have been an adult and teen challenge, the relationship with my family is in the process of being restored. And I believe that God will continue to do so as I serve him. I feel free now and I have a purpose. Romans 8.35 says, Who? Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation, or distress, or persecution, or famine, or nakedness, or peril, or sword? As it is written, for your sake we are killed all day long. We are accounted as sheep for the slaughter. Yet in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am persuaded that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other created thing shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Thank you. Powerful stuff. So today we've witnessed some miracles in the making and these men 
would not have the confidence today without the Lord. As we close today, I wanted to share a few things. Um, We know that even in the last year and a half, things have been really difficult for people, but we've known for years that that drug addiction has been a a pandemic, an epidemic for many, many years. And even this, this last year and a half, it's been even worse. And I just want to share a few sad truths. 3.6 million people die every year from drugs or alcohol. That's 10,000 per day. That's 420 just in the time that we've been together. That's seven every minute. Just here in Oregon alone, there's an estimated 303,000 Oregonians that are not actually getting treatment that they need for their drug addiction. However, there is hope today. You see, God has, has instructed us to receive him and give him to others. And through this ministry and through your partnership coming alongside and helping us continue to fill beds and give reasons to expand our ministry to help those, we can, we can eliminate some of those numbers. The, the rapid rate that those numbers are growing versus how many people are walking in the doors of programs is lopsided, and we want to change that. And so if today you heard different things that stirred up inside of you on ways you want to get involved whether it's partnership, whether it's volunteering, whether it's coming alongside of commitment, um, that's great, and we'll be out after service at the, the booth. But if, if time and, and, and funds are not something that you can give, that's okay, and we understand that. But there's two main things that we want you to leave with today that are like the most important piece uh, from all of our share. That's pray for us. Pray that as a praying church, pray for us that we are continuing to be equipped to meet the needs of the students that do come to us. Pray that the, the men and women that are struggling out there have a moment of clarity to walk in the doors. The second thing is what we call a crisis card or a, a touch card. Now, this is my challenge to you as a church. To take a stack of these cards. As you heard on the video, as you heard from a testimony, the power of of simply a business card that they stumble across. This card has our our 1-800, our hotline number to a live person that's going to walk them through the journey and talk them off the ledge to help them walk into a door of one of our programs. That's simply what it takes is a conversation and a commitment for them to walk in the doors because of all the things that we do behind the scenes to create no barriers to walk somebody in the door. So my challenge to you as a church today that if, if all that you can do is simply take a stack of these cards and keep them in your wallets and keep them in your purse and keep them in your car or on your desk, depending on what kind of work you do, that this simple card right here can actually put hope within reach and change a life. So that is our challenge today. And if you would like to, more information, you know somebody that struggles, we'd love to talk to you. I'd love to, to talk with you personally after service. Uh, we're thankful for the time that you've given us to share. I'd love to close out in prayer and... and uh, have a conversation with one of you after service. Lord, we thank you for today. I thank you for the opportunities that you give us every week to just to share your light, to share what you've done in our own lives, what you continue to do in the men and women that walked in and that have been entrusted to us in your ministries. And Lord, today again, we just pray that each and every person is touched in some way, that whether it's through the power of testimony to bring confidence to come forward in their own struggles, or an answer to prayer of, of a resource to meet the, the needs of someone in their own lives that are being affected by addiction. 
or a stirring up inside their spirit to, to give back, to get involved, to volunteer, to be a part of something greater than what they thought they could be, that this is their, their starting point. And if anything else, Lord, just an opportunity for the church to know that there's a resource out there that's focused on you, that has you at the core of everything that we do, and that if they do run into someone that they know that needs help, that they know that they can rely on us, that we will be there to present your ministry and, and do everything we possibly can faithfully in supporting and glorifying you in our efforts to reach them. So, Lord, I just pray that each and every person in this room is just blessed today, that they just continue to stay focused on you. And we just love you for the opportunities just to be able to come and share the, really the testimonies that you've given us, the, the life change, the new transformation, the, the renewing of our minds, and, and being a new creation. We're just thankful for that. We just love you and thank you in your name. Amen.